Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. Due to CDC recommendations, we are live streaming our services until further notice. You can join us online at 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings on our YouTube channel by searching for A10 Sunday Morning, or you can watch this last week's message at area10church.com. For more information, you can visit area10church.com slash now to learn more about what is happening at Area 10 Church right now. We hope to see you back at the Bird Theater again soon. Hello, whether you're joining us from Virginia, Montana, California, Louisiana, Maryland, Germany, Japan, Hawaii, or anywhere in between, we are glad that you are joining us today. My name is Christopher Lytle. I am the Connections Pastor here at Area 10 Faith Community located here in Richmond, Virginia. And as you just saw, I am sometimes a morning show co-host. We've actually had a lot of fun making these videos for this message series. If you've missed any of the messages or any of the fun videos, like our our top 10 list that we posted last week, you could always go to our YouTube page where you could also see last week's video of a very real on-screen proposal. It was amazing. So definitely check out our YouTube page. Uh, One of the things about me is I really enjoy reading. And when I say I enjoy reading, I mean, I actually enjoy reading books, not the whole audiobook thing. Like, I just, I love to get lost in a good book. Last year, one of the books I read was entitled The Sun is Also a Compass. And it's the story of a husband and wife who decide to up in their life and make a 4,000-mile journey from the Pacific Northwest in Washington all the way to the Alaskan Arctic. Here's the thing, though. They use only their own power. So no trains, no cars, no boats, no helicopters, nothing like that. They make this entire journey by foot, by ski, by canoe, by raft. They do it all under their own power. And I, I love stories like this. And this one in particular was fascinating to me because it was just instance after instance of really kind of dangerous situations interspersed with kind of these quiet moments of the beauty of nature. But I found myself asking the question, if, if I were faced with some of the things that this couple is facing, how would I respond? Um, or better yet, would I even live? Because let's face it, that seems like a pretty arduous journey. There were moments that had me just like filled with anxiety. One part in particular, the author is describing her and her husband's attempt at crossing this really quick moving icy cold river in Alaska. And I honestly just kept waiting for the line and then they perished. And I had to remind myself, clearly they didn't because they wrote the book. I love these types of stories. The stories of man or woman versus nature, the, the stories where people are, have some kind of goal in mind and they are working through whatever they need to work through and moving forward to make sure that that happens. It's one of the reasons why I love so deeply the Indiana Jones movies. And yes, fill the comments with what you, what you want, it's better than Star Wars. Come on, let's be honest. Indy faces challenge after challenge. Most people would be like, nope, deuces, I'm out, but not Indy. He keeps going. He keeps persevering. He keeps going until the very end. I love those movies. And I think all of us love those movies or those types of stories because the, the, the stories of fierce resolve, I think, connect with us on some kind of human level. 
And I think we, we really resonate with those kinds of stories for two reasons. One, because it reminds us of when we've experienced that kind of fierce resolve in our own life. And number two, because we wish that we had it. I honestly believe um, one of the most unfortunate realities of technology and convenience is that many of us don't really have an understanding of perseverance. We don't have an understanding of grit. More times than not, it seems like we'll choose the easy path, the path of least resistance, the path with the least amount of struggles. And when we do struggle, when we do falter or fail, oftentimes we don't keep moving forward. We just stop or we turn away in frustration and we'll shake our hands to the heavens and say, how can you let this happen? Or we'll point to people or a group of people and blame them for why something didn't work out. And now that's not to say that people don't understand perseverance or grit in any way, shape, or form. It's just that facing adversity um, is a challenge. And sometimes we wanna run away and hide and we forget that there's a lot of growth that can happen when we push through. I really like what author Michael Hyatt says. You can't always choose what will happen to you. Accidents and tragedies happen, but you can choose how you will respond to those situations. Now grit, grit is one of those fundamental leadership attributes that really anyone can cultivate, but few are willing to put in the work to cultivate. And here's the thing that I really want you to know up front. Without grit, we really are residing ourselves to live a life of mediocrity. We're residing ourselves and saying, it's okay that our goals and our dreams and our potential is squandered. Developing your grit and strengthening your resolve can positively affect every aspect of your life and leadership. Now, this idea of grit is not a new one. In fact, right now, it's, it's borderline trendy. Um, and that is in no small part thanks to psychology professor Angela Duckworth. Her uh, TED Talk exploded a few years ago. She has um, really quite a few different pieces and books and articles and podcasts all on the topic of grit. And there's some really, really good stuff. But it's, it's brought the concept of grit to the forefront of our culture and those looking to be successful in their lives. As Duckworth defines it, grit is passion and sustained persistence applied toward very long-term goals. And she argues that talent and intelligence are inferior predictors of success compared to simple grit, meaning that oftentimes we will see someone who's successful or a group of people that are successful and we'll go, oh, it's just because they're so smart, they just have so much intelligence or they're just so gifted, they're borderline superhuman. And what Angela Duckworth is saying is, is not really. When you look at, at a group of successful people, if you look at a lot of different successful people, it's the sheer stick to It's the desire to keep moving forward that really defines success. And I think if we took a deep look at the people whom we view as successful, we would see that that is a pretty accurate description. I think for most of the world's population, myself included, we find ourselves in a position of um, wanting change. Uh, wanting change in our lives, wanting change um, in our personal lives, professional lives, in, in our society, but we don't always know how to go about it. And we don't always have the tools to achieve it. Well, grit is one of those tools. 
Now, that, that word grit, you're not gonna find anywhere in the Bible. Um, that word that we're using and how it's defined really wasn't uh, first published anywhere until about 1808. What you will find, though, are words like persevere and perseverance and endurance. In the New Testament, which is the last third of the Bible, when you see the word persevere or perseverance, it's communicating the idea of steadfastness under pressure and endurance in the face of trials. So we can say grit. And in the book of Hebrews in particular, in the New Testament, the author makes it um, this really big overarching point to remind and tell the readers that Jesus is the end all to be all of God's love and mercy. And that he alone is worthy of our devotion and praise. But interspersed with that are these stories and nuggets of wisdom that really challenge and encourage the reader to live lives of faith despite the hardships, despite the challenges, despite the struggles that we might endure. Hebrews 10.36 in particular says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, the original intent of this verse, uh, what the author is talking about is the promise of eternal life. For those that have surrendered their lives to Christ, who have given their lives to, to that faith, that's what they put their faith in, that really is the ultimate reward. That's the ultimate end game. And the original audience that the author is writing to were facing various forms of challenges and struggles and frustrations and failures and persecution, both inside their own community as well as externally, which isn't very unlike Take the original intent of that verse and you look at the core truths, you realize that that could be applied to almost every area of our life. Hebrews 10.36 is this idea that God's will is for you to endure, to persevere, to have grit. And when you take that to the fullest extent, we can see that it's because on every level, those that endure, those that persevere, reap the reward, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, in our homes, and the list can go on. We move on into Hebrews 11, and the author gives us this giant list of story after story, an example of people of faith who endured, who persevered through all the struggles of life and all the adversity that was thrown at them. And the author is using this list as a runway to his banner point, which are two of the most important verses for us to know. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So there's a few things to note. First, when we read that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what the author of Hebrews is referring to is that list of people that he just played out in Hebrews 11. It's this idea that there are people that have always come before us that have faced challenges and struggles and persecutions of different kind, but they kept going. But as Mark Moore points out in his book, Core 52, there's also a, a slightly broader idea that we are now constantly surrounded by people for, um, that we are responsible to and for. It's, it's pretty easy to um, tell ourselves that the only ones that we're responsible 
is ourselves. In truth, however, if you're married, if you have friends, if you have children, if you have a boss, if you have coworkers, if you have employees, in some way, you are responsible to or for them as well as for yourself, which is why perseverance and grit is so important because how you live your life, whether we want to accept it or not, affects every person around you, which is also why these ne- the next line in this verse is so essential. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we're gonna camp out here just for a second. Oftentimes when people read this, uh, this section, they focus on the word sin that so easily entangles. And it makes sense, sin is a big deal. And regardless of where you're at on your faith journey, um, I think most people understand that, that sin equals like really bad, it's not good. The reality of sin is that it leads to death. It breaks relationships. It separates us from God. It has lasting consequences. Sin is something that shackles us and chains us to the very spot that we're in and really uh, stops us from moving forward. And I think one of the very human things that happens is we'll sin or we'll struggle and we'll make a bad decision, and we'll, we'll feel that guilt, and we might feel that shame, and we'll seek forgiveness, and hopefully make amends, and we try to move on, and what ends up happening is that we actually just go right back to that starting point, and we just keep making the same decisions and the same cycles over and over again, when the reality of the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ is that those shackles of sin are broken free. And so the author of Hebrews is challenging the readers to write a new script, to create a new environment, because we are free, not free to do whatever we want, but free to move forward, free to keep pursuing the prize. I think one of the things that we oftentimes just forget um, when we're in that cycle of, of sin and regret and guilt and shame is that Christ is there calling out to you to continue to move forward and trusting him. When we change our environments, when we're intentional about how we live our lives, we begin to break free of the the shackles of sin. And this reality of humanity that we see and this reality of perseverance and grit is seen throughout scripture. Jesus said in Luke 21, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Grit is the thing that can help us become more successful leaders. It is uh, the thing that helps us become more empowered members of society. It helps us be more patient and compassionate and empathetic parents and spouses. It is the thing that helps us be more influential servants in the kingdom of God. But most importantly, grit is that thing that takes us or that takes us from who we are to who God is calling us to be. Now, the line that's so often missed in these verses is when it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. We get so focused on the sin component, and I understand why, that we forget that even things that aren't sinful aren't necessarily beneficial. Think about it. How many habits do we have in our lives that aren't necessarily bad on their own, but they don't actually help us achieve any of our goals. They don't help us become who God is calling us to be. They don't help us lead 
in the most effective way. Instead, they just take up our time. And when our time is taken up on things that don't matter, our lives are actually undermined. It chips away at the foundation of who we are and we end up becoming so frustrated and exhausted because we don't understand why we are not where we planned or where we hoped. We get sad or sometimes even depressed because we aren't able to see our dreams come to fruition. We're overwhelmed because our purpose and meaning keeps shifting by whatever the loudest voices around us are. Some of the things that we do, they may not be bad on their own, but they definitely distract from the overall goal. And unfortunately, it's easier to rest in those areas of sadness. It's easier to rest in those moments of being overwhelmed or even frustrated because that's what we're used to. That's become our habit. We've allowed that to become our pattern. And the really sad thing is that many people would rather wait for the motivation to change than to actually work on the change that is needed. Generally speaking, the people whom we view as successful, regardless of area, they are the people that focused on their goals. They focused on the long game. They were willing to throw off the things that hindered them, and they did the work to get there. The author of Hebrews wants to continue to redirect us through all of this on focusing on Jesus because the reality is is that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. We see him endure. We see him persevere. He is the embodiment of grit. When he fasted 40 days and was tempted in the desert, he showed us grit. When he was thrown out of his hometown before proclaiming the realities of God, he showed us grit. When people questioned his identity and who he said he was, he showed us grit, putting up with those 12 dudes who were constantly with him all the time, teaching them and being patient with them and loving them and serving them and raising them up, showed us grit, living at the intersection of grace and truth continually in a world that was so divided and so uh, angry all the time, showed us truth. When he was in the garden or he was crucified and raised again, and he prayed the words, not my will, but yours be done, he showed us grit because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that is able to help us change. The power of the Holy Spirit is a real thing. The Holy Spirit through Christ gives us courage to move forward. It gives us courage to break free from the shackles of sin, to throw off the things that hinder us. It's Christ who is the one that shows us grace in our shortcomings and failures. And it's Christ who uses us to be his hands and feet in the world around us as we serve. If we are to follow his example, which make no mistake, if you're a Christ follower, that's what you're called to do. Grit is a part of that. So let's take a step back briefly. Although perseverance, although grit and resolve can positively affect every, act, affect every aspect of your life and leadership, it's really, really important to understand and know grit alone will not make you a better leader, okay? You just need to know that. Grit alone won't make you a better person, a better spouse, a better employer. Really, if grit is the only thing that you have, if that's the only tool in your toolbox, odds are 
you're an immovable, frustrating jerk. There is not really a better way to say it. If grit is the only thing you have, you are just plowing ahead regardless of the cost to relationships, to the realities of what God has called you to do. And yeah, you might achieve some of your goals. Really, you might even achieve all of your goals. But if grit is all you have, I would question if the goals you achieved were even worthy goals to begin with. Over these past five weeks, as we've been in this message series, Rise Up, we have focused on key leadership principles that we see from scripture, particularly from Jesus. And on their own, they are all incredibly beneficial. But when functioning together, they really can be transformative. Week one, we talked about shepherding and just the simple act of caring. Caring in a world when it seems that all people wanna do is fight. We wanna look down on people because you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. Depending on your political affiliation, you're dead to me. If you like this restaurant over this restaurant, if you prefer The Voice over American Idol, if you like Star Wars over Indiana Jones, we wanna fight about everything. But let me tell you, and you know this to be true, when the chips are down, people remember who showed up and cared. It makes a lasting impact. In week two, we talked about humility and that great leaders are humble leaders. No one wants to follow the jerk. No one wants to follow the hothead. No one wants to follow the impatient person who you never know if their mood is going to attack you or encourage you. No one wants to. And what humility does is it provides an opportunity and an environment, not just for you to keep moving forward to your goals and your dreams, but it encourages other people to pursue their goals and dreams as well. In week three, we've looked at uh, mentoring. Taking the opportunity to share your knowledge and experience not only creates lasting change, but creates lasting legacy. And then last week, we talked about serving, serving your people, serving your team, and really that, that idea that leaders eat last. And that in serving your people, in serving your team, you are building influence, which is far greater than power. Today we have grit. And listen, grit is the secret sauce. Grit is the secret sauce that makes your burger delicious. Grit is the fairy dust that gets sprinkled on you so you can fly to Neverland. Grit is the fuel you put in your car so that you can go forward. It's not the only thing, but it can affect all of the things. In many ways, like throwing off things that hinder us and sin that entangles us, grit is something, it takes initiative. It takes action. It requires something of us, which is why so many of us don't use it. So I wanted to leave you with five ways that will allow for your grit to grow. It's not something that's magical. It's not a silver bullet. You're not just gonna have it because grit is a discipline to be able to be cultivated. But here are five things. Number one, Define your values. If you don't know what you stand for, if you don't know what you're passionate about, if you don't know what your values are, it's gonna be really difficult to be and go where God has called you to go and who he's called you to be. It's gonna be really difficult to make the changes necessary. And, and listen, this isn't, um, this isn't something that's just a mental exercise. Like, I, I really wanna challenge you. If you've never thought through or prayed through what your values are, and more importantly, what God's values are, 
I wanna challenge you to do that. And that's, that's not just sitting there for five minutes. I mean, take time to pray, look at scripture uh, fast, talk to people who know you well, whom you seek wisdom from and develop and identify what those values are. And when you do, I would say, write them down, print them out, put them in places that you will see and be reminded of constantly so you understand and always remember what your foundation is. Number two, set worthy goals. Not all goals are created equal. I don't, I hope everyone knows that. Not all goals are created equal. My current goal to beat Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch is not the same thing and isn't as valuable as me saying I want to be debt free. Not all goals are equal. Not all goals are worthy of your time. So as you begin to set goals, I would challenge you to ask two questions. The first is why. Why is this or should this be a goal? And the second question, is this goal truly worth your time? As you set your personal and professional goals, remember that they affect more than just you. So asking the question why and is this worthy of your time will help you narrow in on a more clearly defined purpose and the effects that that might have. If you don't have goals, you're just bobbing in the water. You're not really going anywhere. You've resided to just being. If you don't have goals, you'll never have use for grit. Number three, surround yourself with people who will encourage you to meet your goals and really to challenge you to meet your goals. You are who you hang out with. We have said this in one way, shape, or form here at Area 10 for years because it's true. If the majority of your time is spent with people who focus on what can't happen, on negativity, on half-truths and gossip, on cynicism, on building themselves up instead of building up, how far do you really think you're going to get in achieving your goals? Part of throwing off things that hinder us is making the really hard decision to evaluate who and what you allow to influence you. Because who and what you allow to influence you, who and what you allow in your inner circle matter. And if those people, if those things aren't continually encouraging you to draw closer to Christ, if they're not continually encouraging you to love your family and friends well and to achieve your goal and to keep pursuing your goal as they speak truth to you, then they need to be moved in a place of less influence, period. Gritty people understand that they need encouragement and they also understand that they need people to speak truth. Number four, embrace failure. Generally speaking, our pride makes us really afraid of failure. And I think it's because many of us have bought into the lie that says, if you fail at something, that means you're a failure. And that's simply not true. That actually goes against everything that scripture teaches us, everything that Christ died for, it's simply not true. Really, failure is one of the best teachers we have. Failure teaches us things that nothing else can. Failure can create strong and wise people. Failure breeds humility and empathy because when other people mess up, when other people stumble, when other people fail, we get it. We understand, we remember what that feels like and the thoughts that are going through our head. 
You're going to fail on the road that is your life. There are going to be times when you struggle, when you trip, when you fall on your face. It's inevitable, but how you fail is so much more important than if you fail. And think about it. Some of the most well-known people that we view as successful have failed. Steven Spielberg was denied twice to USC's School of Cinematic Arts. Twice. And let's face it. Yeah, he made Jurassic Park, one of the best movies ever made. But he also made The Adventures of Tintin, which like 10 people saw. Hello, you've got Oprah, Oprah, media mogul, you get a car. When she first started in the industry, she was told she was unfit for TV. Repeatedly, Oprah has mentioned the amount of times that she has failed and what she has learned so that she can succeed. Walt Disney, a personal hero of mine, was fired from a newspaper and was told he lacked imagination and good ideas. What? (laughs) Walt Disney. But when you read his biography, that was a turning point in his life because he dug into it and he began to think more on what it means to be creative and ideas. And now we have a brand that is globally recognized. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and you may have heard this quote before, he said, I have failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why I succeed. Learning from failure is a gritty practice and it helps us continue to move forward. And finally, number five, Make time. I bet if you're honest, you waste a ton of time. If, if we all had a diary and we kept track of every minute of every day and how we spent that time at the end of the week, I bet we would be shocked at how much time we actually waste. So I simply wanna say, make time. Make time for things that matter. Make time for things that you value. Make time to nurture your relationship with Christ and your family and your friends and your church. Make time to learn and develop new habits that are gonna get you to your goals. Don't settle for an unrealized potential. Don't settle for unrealized dreams. So take a look at your schedule, examine how you're using your time and make it happen because honestly, the only thing stopping you is you. In a moment, we're gonna have another worship song and we encourage you to sing with us. And this is also a time where we take communion. So whatever emblems you might have in your house, crackers and juice, bread and water, Twinkies and smoothies, I don't know what you have. You know, you wanna gather those at this point. But before we get there, I wanna, I wanna share with you one last thing. And that's from a young man who graduated last week. And I think it's a really good example of grit. He writes, eight years ago, I was living in a cold garage eating food out of a shoebox. Seven years ago, I was placed in foster care. Six years ago, I was searching for stability and acceptance in a new home and school. Five years ago, I moved for the 16th time into my fifth school district. Four years ago, I was accepted into St. John's University with little social and cultural capital, but with great ambition to succeed. Three years ago, I became the founder and president of the First Generation Organization and spent my summer in China researching a cure for tuberculosis. Two years ago, I pioneered through St. John's University as its first neuroscience major. I traveled through the Dominican Republic for mission work and led a research project at the local emergency department, guiding 30 students through clinical research. One year ago, I reached 1,500 hours of volunteerism, was awarded St. John's Man of Extraordinary Service, traveled to Costa Rica for medical mission work, and volunteered my summer to research Alzheimer's disease. Today, I graduate with honors from St. John's University as its first neuroscience major and a first-generation college student. But most importantly, I am graduating with a family of nearly 1,000 classmates 
And finally, a place I call home. Listen, grit is not a genetic trait. It's not something you're born with. It's a discipline. It's something that's cultivated. It's something that anyone can grow if they give it the time and the energy. It's forged through adversity. The willingness to cast off all that hinders and the sin that entangles us, as well as the unwillingness to give up regardless of the hand that has been dealt to you in your life. Michael Kelly, the graduate whose note I just read, I think sums it up pretty well when he said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I first and foremost thank you so much for grace and redemption. It is because of your sacrifice and resurrection that we don't have to be bound by the chains of sin that we can move forward knowing that we are forgiven. God, I pray regardless of where we're at in our lives, where we're at in our faith journeys today, God, that your Holy Spirit would move in such a mighty and active way that it would demand a response, recognizing that, that we are to follow your example. Lord, every one of us uh, has opportunity to be influential with our friends, at work, with our family members, and all of us have dreams and goals. God, I pray that as a faith community, as individuals, that we can challenge and encourage one another and that your Holy Spirit would just be mighty and active in us as we pursue and endure what is ahead. God, we know that we don't have to give up. We know that you have wired us all in different ways, but we also know that there is more to our futures. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for the disciplines that exist like grit. And may we all challenge and encourage each other to pursue whatever goals and dreams we have. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Each week we have been uh, pretty intentional about wanting to have some time just for Q&A. Um, so there, we've got a few questions today and I'll do my very best to answer them. Um, like most of the questions that are sent in, um, Really, they, they require probably more time than what we have, but I want to at least take a shot. Uh, the first question um, is, what's the relationship between the scientific concept of grit and the faith concept of surrender? Uh, I think that's a, a really interesting question because um, they, they work in tandem. Having um, Surrender is the thing that is most important. Um, what happens oftentimes, and this goes back to that idea of what I was talking about, that that when we focus solely on grit, we become um, really kind of full of ourselves and immovable. Uh, Proverbs 19.21, which was the very first scripture I ever memorized, says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So when you elevate your grit and your goals and your dreams ahead of what God actually wants, that's when there ends up being some of that dissonance and some of that conflict. The reality is, and, and just, I guess, good practice, is the idea of, of taking up your cross and surrendering daily. Like, that's what, that's what we're told to do in Scripture, is that we're surrendering our lives daily so that the will of God can be uh, really displayed in our lives. So I'm a firm believer, and I think we see this in Scripture, that God gives us dreams and goals for a reason. The caveat with that, though, 
is that oftentimes the journey to, as you're on the journey to, to reach a goal, is often the thing that is most transformative for your life. And, and you probably know this more than anybody, because um, I think we've probably all experienced it. When you are working towards something, very rarely do you end up exactly where you think you're going to end up. You discover new things, you're led in different directions, and that's okay. The, the whole point behind GRID is that you're really, you're continuing to move forward, where you're not just letting your life be shackled by everything else. You're daily surrendering your life to Christ and allowing him to lead you really through the power of the Holy Spirit as you move forward. And ultimately where you end up, I mean, who knows? Like, I never thought we'd be living in Richmond, Virginia. I didn't even know Richmond, Virginia really existed. <laughs> I didn't know that was a place. And this is where we are because my wife and I and our family, we kept moving forward regardless, trusting God the entire time. So again, uh, that, there's a, a bigger and deeper kind of theological and practical conversation that, that surrounds that. So um, I get that a lot in myself. I am a, I'll look at a situation and I'll immediately go, this is the right answer. This is what we should do. Um, I'll see somebody say or say something that I disagree with and immediately I want to have a response or I want to push back. Um, I think part of it is, again, honing the discipline of, of taking a step back. It's really easy to full-heartedly and foolishly just jump ahead, whether it's because of our own um, kind of arrogance and just wanting to, to kind of jump forward um, or because we think we know best when maybe we don't. And so I would say a, a good just practice is in those moments that automatic response and you know what I'm talking about when you have that automatic response that it's usually not a nice response. If we're having an automatic response, it is usually something that is that has pricked us somewhere that has caused us like frustration. When you feel that coming, take a beat. If you need to take a step back, if you need to like if you're interacting with someone say, "Hey, I think I really need to think and pray through this." Uh, before I respond or before we make a final decision, that's okay. Like, I, I think in our world of immediacy, we're so focused on having like immediate results right away or solving a problem right away or getting everything out on the table right away that we don't really give ourselves the wisdom to work through it. And so I think it's okay to take a beat, uh, to take a step back and to really and pray through um, your response to whatever those challenges are. Uh, I think it's harder probably for some people than others. I think this is where personality probably comes into play. Again, my personality is I just, not scorched earth policy per se, but I'm like, well, if it doesn't work, let's just tear it to the ground and rebuild it. Like I'm just like, let's keep moving forward probably to a fault. Um, whereas some people, like they probably need more encouragement to make, make some kind of decision. Uh, another question, um, this will be our last one is what is the difference between being responsible to someone and for someone? Great question. Um, so being responsible for someone, you know, if you are an employer, if you're a parent, um, you, you're responsible for the people below you, like period. Like you're responsible for raising your children well. There will come a time when your children will stand on their own and they make their own decisions 
But that doesn't mean that your responsibility goes away. Like you still have a responsibility to nurture them and encourage them and challenge them. If you're someone's boss, it's the same thing. Like there's a, there's a level of responsibility to make sure that you're giving coaching and training or discipleship um, and understanding. Whereas you're responsible to people is more of, of, of this idea of, of side to side. Um, if you were walking down Cary Street here in Richmond, and you saw a woman with a stroller about to cross the street and a bus is coming, like really you're responsible to try and save her. I mean, people say it's not my responsibility, but it is. We have biblical mandates that say, you know, to save each other from the fires of hell, like from, from the realities of the pain and consequences of sin. Part of that is living at that intersection, again, of, of truth and grace, of, of when we see people kind of going outside of the lines that are gonna make their lives more difficult, we have an element of responsibility um, to, to love them and to, and, to, and, to, and to speak with them about that. And in turn, we have a responsibility to others to allow them that same kind of, uh, of truth speaking into our own lives. So again, all these questions, great questions, and we could have a much bigger conversation, but I hope that kind of at least uh, gives you some kind of, of clarity on those. Again, thank you for joining us today. Um, this is a great weekend. Let me pray for us and we'll be on our way. Thank you so much for who you are. You are uh, king, you are glorious, you are gracious, you are good. Lord, I pray on this Memorial Day weekend, um, just a, a great deep sense of gratitude for all those uh, men and women of service who have served our country and have um, sacrificed their lives for the freedoms that we have. I pray that we do not utilize that freedom in vain or in a way that is grotesque to who you are Lord, I pray that you give us the gumption and the grit to move forward, that uh, like that question asked about surrender, that you will also remind us continually that we are called to surrender to you. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and let us serve the people around us well. It's in your holy name we pray, amen. Go in peace.